Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Mike Casaza, um, living in Chris Anderson's town. You've taken up residence here. How is it? Uh, other than losing power and not having air conditioning last night, not great. <laughs> not great. I, I think half the town, it seems, had to deal with that, so I wasn't alone, but... Um, that wasn't a great a great start to the this camp week. No, woke up um, overnight, Monday into Tuesday. The dog freaking out because the refrigerator temperature was so low that it had an alarm going off, and the old dog doesn't like that. But I didn't know what was going on. Apparently, the power had been out, and things like that happened here too. I say you're taking up residence in the town. That's not entirely true. Um, you're on the road, man. Explain the the grind for you this week, especially the unexpected addition to your schedule coming up this weekend yeah so i mean most of you guys know i live in virginia so i'm traveling back and forth each one i try not to stay too long uh there i mean if the camps are closer together like later you know i'm going to be staying there for like several days at a time but when they're spread out like monday thursday you know i was trying to get back and forth and then they spring the sunday surprise on me and i had already made plans to be back and we had i had uh friends coming into town uh, to see me and my family on Saturday. So I can't just stay in Morgantown. I got to go back and forth again and again and again. Uh, I was going to leave the Sunday specialist camp to, uh, you know, the expert. That's you. Hmm. But now it seems like they're going to have a regular camp. Um, we'll see. I mean, there hasn't been anybody of note that said they're coming for that day. Uh, that's going to happen when you kind of, you know, throw a camp up there to the public six days before it goes out. And I, I don't even think they've really been pushing it that hard, at least, you know, publicly. I haven't seen that many tweets about it. I think I saw uh, a couple tweets about specialist camp, but not much about um, the actual, like the regular camp for, for non-specialists that day. Uh, I have two, two things from someone's here, if you're ready. Mm-hmm. Jeff Kuhn is all in on that camp for the specialists. Yes. He's, yes, he's he put is. He's put some work into that. He's the special teams coordinator. He's put some work into that. So I'm not sure how big it'll be, but quality and quantity are two different things. I, I imagine the quality would be pretty good for what's kind of a niche thing, obviously, specialists, uh, number one. Number two, you can correct me on this, but you get 10 dates you can have, correct? Yeah. They already had one that day. The specialist thing was, is somewhat of a necessity. They really like to do that. And again, Coons is invested in it. So go ahead and do it. You know, that's his passion project. Sure, if he's good at it, even better. So you're already going to have one. But there are so many camps Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, that they were getting people in transit. Hey, we're going to be in Columbus or hey, we're on our way to Knoxville, something like that. Right. And they're getting a lot of people who were going to be coming to the neighborhood. And rather than, you know, do unofficials or just show people around, get somebody who can make a pit stop on the way to a camp on Monday or on the way back from a camp on Friday or Saturday. And and that's a pretty convenient fork in the road, too. I would imagine that, again, it might not be the deepest crop as far as numbers or, or the, the caliber of player, but these are people that were interested in coming. And more importantly, West Virginia was reciprocal in the interest of saying actually let's do something different that's probably promising right yeah i think my first thought when i saw that pop up kind of last minute was there's a busload of kids of, of talented talented you know division one type kids that called and called a coach and said hey 
we might be able to swing by on that day. And they said, oh, well, we just created a camp. Come on down. You know, because you, you can't hold private, a private camp. Mm-hmm. It has to be open to the public. Now, you can work guys out all day long. Uh, we saw that uh, on, on Monday. You know, the, before the camp even started, there were a couple kids that were doing another camp later in the day or a camp the next day. And they came by, did the workout, did everything, registered all that stuff, and just, you know, kind of ca- camped with the coaches a little bit beforehand. And, and that is completely and totally legal and that's allowed. And, but it has to be open for the public that day. So I assumed a big busload, but maybe that's not the case. We'll see. We'll kind of see how it turns out. It's interesting to me now that you say it, this, this would be the only weekend camp that mm-hmm. they tried to have. Yeah. The only one. Um, now, obviously they're having official visitors for the other ones and, and you kind of want to put your focus on that. Uh, on those days. So that makes perfect sense. But this is not an exact science yet. This is still being kind of fiddled with. Again, I've been doing this for 10 years now and the, the actual camp scene, nine or 10 years, I've been on the beat longer than that, a little bit longer than that, but the camp scene like nine years, 10 years. And they've tried everything, every kind of combination, every approach to this. How do you do the camps? When do you do the camps? That, that you can imagine. And I'm talking about over the, the span of a couple of different coaching staffs, of course, but uh, during Dana's time, they would have camps where it was every Friday, Sunday, every Saturday, Monday. They try one year. They tried every Friday, Sunday, one year. They tried every Saturday, Monday, one year. They had every single camp over the course of like eight days or seven days. It was like all in one week. Like they didn't spread it out over the whole month. They just went all for it on a week. And it was like Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Bang, 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 bang. Let's go. And I, I'm not sure what the answer is. Because, again, it, it all kind of depends on the kid. It depends on when they get out of high school. Um, you know, I know when I was in high school, I'd still be in school right now. You know, it's June 8th when we're recording this. I was still in school until like June 15th, June 17th, stuff like that. Like middle of June, second or third week of June. Um, so these other kids get out earlier than that. You're also competing against other schools that have camp dates that might be more convenient to where these kids live. So it's an inexact science. So to see them fiddling with it doesn't surprise me that much. We've already seen them fiddle with a little bit. There was supposed to be one on June 3rd. Yeah. That was the original announcement when the, the original list came out on their website was there was one on June 3rd. And they just, I think they, they moved that to June 23rd was what it was and they split up the seven on seven so it, it's there's some experimenting going on here college basketball did something recently where because there is no ncaa basketball academy this year which is like this regional recruiting thing where top prospects the upcoming classes they kind of get prepped on the college experience for a week and by the way it's a big evaluation weekend canceled for the second straight year because of pandemic etc um, but what they did was that they they added a bunch of evaluation periods for July all on the weekend because it's easier on families and the players to travel to weekend events. Mom and dad drive or dad drives the, the van or the bus or the whole team. I get that. So I was talking to someone, this would have been last Tuesday about it, about, you know, why, is, why isn't that like in football? And they were like, no, like West Virginia has to be a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday kind of deal because the, the competition for Fridays and Saturdays is so thick. Um, and I was thinking about it too, like the population centers for some of these schools, especially in the South, 
they're morning car rides away. And that's not mm-hmm. necessarily the, the thing that West Virginia has. If you're getting people from Atlanta or from, you know, further parts away in Ohio, maybe, um, you know, further parts away in Pennsylvania, those can be five, six, seven hour car rides. Maybe you can pull it off during the day, but like mostly the people that they're coming that they're trying to get to these camps are, are, you know, have a tank of gas, you know, round trip, tank of gas rides. And those work out pretty well too. So I guess the week, week day thing does make sense, but well, that's sorry to interrupt, but that's also part of the reason for the, the start time of these camps. Uh, yeah. they used to be 10, 11 o'clock in the morning was, was when they started. Now they're one o'clock in the afternoon is when registration is supposed to start. And, you know, when I first saw that, I was like, oh man, why are we, why are we doing this? Like the hottest part of the day, especially when, you know, that, that afternoon heat can sometimes bring thunderstorms. And when you have, you know, thunder or lightning camps off, it's just like with football, if there's lightning, it's off. So I was a little concerned about that, but then it all kind of made sense for the exact reason you're saying, when you move that camp to registration to one o'clock, you've expanded your radius from Morgantown of where kids can drive in from and make it a quote unquote day trip. Now, I mean, for me, that's exhausting. Five hours and then five hours of camp and then five <laughs> hours of driving home. But, you know, these kids are just kind of sleeping in the car riding with their parents or their coach or, who, you know, whoever. And so them sleeping in the car for eating breakfast and goofing around in the car, listening to music, doing a camp and then sleeping on the way home. That's probably not as tiresome for them. So you, you've expanded when you move it from 10 a.m. You, you know, you're talking kids leaving at six. So maybe three hours out. You move it to 1 p.m. If guys are leaving at six, you're getting five, six guys that are five or six hours away on a drive now that can come to your camp on a day. And I think that's the reason for that move. I like it. Um, you don't know this yet, but sometime later today, I'm going to have a story about what what I think, what I observe that West Virginia has going for itself this camp season or the camp circuit period aesthetics experiential stuff just part of the experience we've been there twice we've seen a whole lot we haven't seen everything but like where we walk is kind of generally where the recruits walk we're not in the behind closed doors tours but we've seen some of those things um and your videos and some of your your pictures and explanations have kind of previewed this a little bit but i'm curious if your list will match mine so let me put you on the spot here what are some things again visually experientially um aesthetically or even just like germane to the camp circuit, like that West Virginia is doing well, that has going for it, where maybe it's not something that people are coming to experience. Maybe it is, but certainly when they walk out of there, they're tweeting about it. They're telling the people that they, they share the space without the next camp. Um, what what's the, what's the thing or the things at West Virginia that walks off campus and sticks with these recruits? So the first thing you notice, and, and you saw it in that very first video I made for the very first camp, is that new kind of facade to the main football building right there next to the stadium. It, it, it's excellent. Uh, you know, it's a huge, a huge window for the, the both walls, and, and you look right in, and it says West Virginia football, and you see all the accolades, the trophies, the Orange Bowl trophy, all that stuff. That's the very first thing that these kids and their families see when they pull into the parking lot. That's awesome. Um, everything this, and this is, this part's going to sound strange. I'm going to say the construction is important too. And you're going to say, what? They want to see construction? No, they want to see improvement, continuous improvement. And if you walk in and you see that these facilities have already been upgraded and they look good, they look great. 
and they're still doing more in your mind, you know, if you're thinking ahead, you're thinking, wow, they're, they're building that for me when I get here in two years. And then there'll be something else they're building for the two years after that and so on and so forth. So I think the fact that you see that upgrades are happening and they're continuing to happen, it, it should stick in some of these kids' minds if they're really thinking about the future and their future there. Because again, these kids are still two years out. And I don't want to say that, uh, you know, all the upgrades that they just did a couple years ago are going to be outdated in two years. But they might be like, you know, I mean, with the way that the arms race is in college football, they're not going to be outdated, but you're going to start looking at other things that you can update and upgrade and make better for the future. And seeing that construction should let recruits like full on recruits know, hey, they're serious about this program. They're serious about upgrading everything. I haven't told you this yet, but I'm not going to write that story now. Oh, no. It's pretty much the exact same thing that you just said. <laughs> oh, no. That'll See, be a good soundbite. They want MP4s for us, right? So we can definitely cut that one up and put it in there. Uh, mine, mine's a little bit more you know, verbose, of course. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit longer, but those are the first two things I noticed. Uh, listen, that that display, when you're coming down, Don Nealon, I promise you, like before, families and recruits and buses drove past because they didn't know where the football stadium was. If you're coming in a certain way, believe me, like if you're coming – on a certain part of Don Elan, you're not going to see it. If you're coming down one, the stadium is very obviously on your right, and you're going to know where to turn. If you're coming that same direction now that you couldn't see it before, you cannot miss that marquee. Um, and it's arresting. It comes in. And listen, I've had wise men tell me before when it comes to fundraising, the best thing you can have is a crane because that means you're building stuff. You're doing things. You're knocking walls down, and you're picking things up and building them. Um, and if you can tell kids, like, hey, what we have is nice, right? It's getting better. Wink, wink that's really powerful. So I think those are two really good things here too. Um, and again, listen, you're, you're getting the head coach watching, you're getting the coaches watching it. These have been big. So maybe you're not getting the most um, hands-on attention. You're not getting the small audience that maybe you seek, but Brown says this, that like you're getting evaluated to the point, like he's lectured kids about talking when he's talking mm-hmm. and saying like, everything's filmed and everything is logged every rep of every person. And by the way, that guy over there who's talking when I'm talking, that's on film. You get a whole bunch of, Ooh, so he's watching, and if he's not seeing you, he's going to catch you later. And the same thing goes to their coaches. I think that's powerful, and it's probably true everywhere to some extent. And it might not even be true everywhere, but if you say it, I think that gets kids' attentions, and you, you probably have people who are in line and disciplined and are given everything they got right now too. But um, th- that's good too. And I think to get 150 at, I think we can agree, was the second best camp so far. <laughs> um, yes. that's, that means that there's probably some buzz. Like there, This is a stop that you should make. If you're of a certain caliber and you want to aim higher, if you're a certain caliber and you want to – get a little bit better if you want to play for west virginia then hey there's enough going on here you can do it i think it's kind of an interesting um onion so to speak to peel back because there's a lots of layers there too um some things have been happening i think what we can maybe say right now is that officially not a whole lot has been happening um this is something i, I put up on the board on the site yesterday but chris you and i would agree it's been busy for a week now march excuse me june 1st was you know a week and a day ago so you're talking, you know, today will be the ninth day that they've had their feet on the ground moving here. Um, two camps, a lot of people, official visits. We saw a storm of gifts on Saturday evening during the official visit weekend. You had big plans for Sunday. I feel bad for you because you had seven stories in the queue ready to go. Believe That's what there's... that was, was payback, me talking about the construction. It was payback <laughs> for that. Just so you have one just sitting there. No story. Can't put it up. <laughs> I believe there's five left, which means that... <laughs> Things have been happening, but like they haven't officially happened because you know it's not official till you see the graphic. Um, it, 
but this is also maybe a trend, and this is what our national recruiting editor, Bud Elliott, had, had highlighted that I didn't realize. Um, it's, it's on pace for the same number of commitments roughly in 19 and 20. Last year was just, excuse me, uh, the 19 and 20 classes. Last year was just totally unusual because the pandemic and people were rushing to commit. So of the two countable, like most comparable past two years, so again, 19 and 20 classes, pretty even. But they had booms in June. And Bud doesn't think that's going to happen necessarily. It could, but he doesn't think it's automatic. I think you can assume that's going to happen just because it happened before. I'm not sure that West Virginia doesn't have two or three more commitments that are already there, but just aren't confirmed. But maybe, maybe they're part of this crowd that's going to say yes, but also look around and maybe changes its mind. Um, maybe that it's also true. Two or three other kids have been impressed so far, but just aren't ready to do it. And they want to see more. What do you think of this trend of a lot of action at a lot of places, not just West Virginia, but a lot of action, but not a lot of, I'm using air quotes here, results so far? I think a lot of it is when you see all these GIFs and everything go out and talking about recruiting and they get commitments, even if they don't go public, one you know, it's about building excitement. It's about selling your brand. It's about selling your team, selling what you're building there. And if you're doing that, if you have 10 kids on campus and, you know, one, let me be clear here. They're not making these up. Okay. They, no. they, they didn't make up that these guys verbally committed. They did. It's just a matter of if they want to go public. It's strange. Again, I wrote the story was that Monday or whatever it was earlier this week that things we've seen this already where a kid is committed and they do the let's go tweet and then nothing happens for a day, four days, seven days, two weeks. Uh, a couple of them have been even longer than that. Like it, it, it happens West Virginia. This is how the staff handles that. And I think the reason they do that, especially during official visit weekends is if you're one of those 10 kids on campus and you see three kids committing and if, if you haven't noticed a lot of these kids just follow social media a lot even while they're there in morgantown experiencing the official visit and they're following what's going on on social media and they're sitting there going oh man this kid committed while i'm here and this kid and this kid all the fans are going crazy on social media all the coaches are excited holy cow wait this is are they doing something special here i should be interested in this and it kind of helps build that excitement around what's going on it helps build the environment of those official visits. So it's it's something to watch. It's something that I think they do. Um, and, and not just West Virginia. Like Every, every school does this. Um, again, some take the approach of not wanting to do the, do the social media posts until it's about to go public. Others do it as soon as it happens. And it just kind of depends on what you want to do and how you think it impacts other recruits or the view of your program. I've had one bit of feedback that's really interesting to this. It's that, well, the football coaches don't care what you reporters think about the lapse between you know, their GIF and the commitment, the actual announcement. And I get that, but I think they do in, in the way that maybe you don't think. Um, it's good for them. Listen, I mean, in some sense, they don't really care if the kid goes public with it that day. But, like, we know what that means when they start throwing out let's go and there's a whole bunch of different, um, you know, celebration tweets out there. We know what's happened. And then, like, you're going to look for that for a couple of days and then you eventually write about it, too. But, like, we know what happened right away and we're going to certainly, you know, bring eyeballs to that. But, like, similarly 
to your point, like kids who are on their way here, who were here just a couple of days before, they're thinking differently about it because something really cool happened on an official. So could I be part of that? What's my visit going to be like? And it, and it creates an awareness too. If you wait until the kid actually does say, I'm going to go public for it, you have a pretty brief shelf life there and that's just not good enough marketing for you. And they seem like they're pretty plugged into that. So, um, it makes sense. I don't, is it a trend or not? I think it'll be interesting. I can't see people sitting on their hands the whole month, but I certainly could see July being a really hot period. So, so maybe that works out. Um, but we'll kind of tilt it toward the rest of June and July because first camp last week on Tuesday, I think we agreed quantity quality was very good. Second one on Monday, I think I wrote that like it wasn't the best day, but you need days like this. You're going to have days like this, and also you need days like this too. Big number again, north of one. 50, I believe, which was about the biggest crowd they had, the the one and only summer they had for camps, but not a lot of marquee players. Even in the pockets where there was potential to be marquee players, which we'll get to, um, is that fair to say that it was it was it was all right, but it wasn't what it had been, and it's not what it's going to be in future camps here. Um, there's always this camp, always every year. Uh, it it we, we would have these camps that under Dana, we had them, you know, when they did the Friday, Sunday, the Saturday, Monday, the all in like a week and a half, uh, they had them the first year that Neil Brown was here. There always is that one camp where there are a hundred kids and like three are legitimate targets. And then there's like two dozen walk-on candidates that are kind of basically trying out for a walk-on spot. You have to have it. You have to have, you have to have a place also to, identify walk-on candidates like that's a thing we know that's a thing we know it's important to have a good walk-on program so it's not necessarily a negative uh i know fans are like hey you know we want to hear about the big guys well not a lot of big guys are going to be making a lot of camp visits now that's i think is coming up you know a lot of the people uh that i spoke to on monday said wait till thursday uh you know you'll see some thursday I'm looking at my list for Thursday right now, and I see, you know, six. I, I got six 2023 kids that all have a lot of offers. Um, that's a good start. If you end up with six, you know, juniors to be that already have a bunch of offers, or in a couple that already have West Virginia offers, that's a good start to the camp. Because we've already seen, you know, obviously we, before the camp, we don't know everybody that's coming. The coaches don't know everybody that's coming, <laughs> so. If we already have six kids that have a bunch of offers in that next class, you can almost double that thinking, you know, or maybe go to 10, like, you know, take away one or two and then double that. And and that's where you're looking at. And you're, if you're getting up to double digit kids with a bunch of offers, then, you know, that's a pretty darn good camp and, and things could get a little wild. And, and again, we, you look even further past that June 21st, we got some big names up there that are coming with that. Uh, Michigan bus that's coming down, including Jackson Pruitt, who's a huge target for West Virginia. Um, Zion Turner, a quarterback from Florida, supposed to come that day. Another quarterback's coming up uh, in Justin Holmes, who has a few offers. And then you go uh, Khalil Ali, who's a, a big-time safety out of New Jersey for 2023. So I think there is a little bit of buildup here. You know, this I would say off the top of my head that this is probably the, the one that just happened that Monday one is probably going to be the least, least talented or the least deep, I guess mm-hmm. of all the camps this month. 
unless that you know they continue to move forward with the Sunday one, which the Sunday one might be. You know, maybe they only have a handful of kids there, but we'll see. But um, it, it's looking like the other ones are going to be bigger, and this one was just – it was what it was, and there's always one, always. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Why is June 21 such a big date in the grand scheme of things here? There's a very specific answer, and I'm sure you know it. I don't know. You tell me. They're not taking a quarterback commitment before that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I thought thought you meant for the whole grand scheme of things. But, yeah, the quarterback thing is – and every single quarterback that – has come through so far. All the guys that we talked about in the 2022 class and even 2023 class, which kind of caught me off guard, uh, that they, they've all received the same exact yeah, message from yeah. quarterbacks coach Sean Reagan. That I'm not offering anybody until after all the camps are done. And that June 21st is the last. Now there's a seven on seven on June 23rd, but the last recruiting eval camp is June 21st. And he said, Wait till then, and then you know, then I'll make some decisions. So, I, that is the one position where you do that. You don't do that at other spots. No. I mean, maybe you have some guys that you're uh, you're like, hey, you're on the fence. Let me think about it. You know, I gotta see what's going on. And if you only have a couple spots for like a linebacker or whatever, then maybe you wait till after camps, and then you can say, hey, I had to evaluate everybody first, and you're the best. So here's your offer. You're the greatest. We love you. But quarterback, when you're only taking one you got to kind of wait, make sure you know all your options and see what you can do from there. So my natural follow-up question here is who was in that June 21 camp that would merit this pause? I don't, I mean, Zion Turner's pretty highly regarded, uh, has a few offers. Uh, Justin Holmes is another 2022 kid. He doesn't have that many offers. He performed extremely, extremely well at elite 11 camp Mm -hmm. now that hasn't turned into a bunch of offers yet but as i said with that first group of quarterbacks that came in yeah doing well at elite 11 can help you and it'll get your name out there and college coaches do touch base with those you know elite 11 or or those guys and be like hey how that kid look how you know whatever but they still want to see you in person. So if you still, you know, you did well at Elite 11, but you still haven't made it to college campuses and thrown in front of the actual coaches, you're probably still not going to get offers. So I think maybe that's where things could change for the Justin Holmes kid. I haven't seen him. I don't know if he's amazing or not. Uh, can't wait to see it on June 21st. Um, but I think maybe we can be a little bit honest here on the podcast that it might not have to wait until June 21st. 
if a certain quarterback makes a decision this weekend during his official visit. Um, so unrelated though, <laughs> completely and totally your unrelated. point is that if, for example, Nico Markiel says, guys, I want in, I'm committed. And you yeah. say, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Justin Holmes comes in, lights it up. He's great. You love his personality. All the teammates love him, but you can't take him. Then you made a mistake. And you don't want to do that. So again, that's that's an egregious example. I get that, but that's the thinking. If you take, if you say yes to somebody, and then two weeks later you love the guy who comes in, but you already have somebody, and he's not going to commit. Maybe he doesn't even come at that point. You just don't know. Right. Um, throughout throughout the whole thing, you don't know what you don't know. So when you see everybody and you see everything, then you make that decision. I just find that to be very. It's a it's a high wire act though, especially for that position. So it's a little bit tricky. Um, highlights. Um, I don't know. Individually, position wise. Um. I don't know. We, we got to look at a class of 2025 quarterback that we can keep an eye on for the next few years. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. There were some there were some that popped there and there were some to probably keep an eye on. There were some cool stories otherwise because they stand out on a day like that where maybe you don't have the star power, but you have some pretty cool anecdotes for people. Um, I don't know. Anybody, anything catch your attention? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the one there were two guys that I said would get an offer. One of them already did. That was Eric Burton, the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he's originally from Germany. Uh, who's at Clearwater Academy International, the program down in Florida where Akeem Mestor came from. He is, I mean, he's skinny. It's weird. You look at the picture, and yeah, like the first thing that comes to mind is thin, skinny, whatever. But uh, what, what does that guy say in that that other football? He's he's wiry. Uh, yeah. Like <laughs> he, he's he's got a lot of muscle on him. Like he is. It, it looks like pure muscle, and but he is very thin. He's six four, two hundred and five pounds. Um, 205, while it may not seem like a small number, or it, it is, it is pretty darn thin for 6'4. Like, that's especially playing on the defensive line. So he's going to have to bulk up, but <clears throat> pardon me. The coaches obviously saw something, and, and it's easy to see why. He looked great. He ran really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it caught my attention because I, I didn't quite, I said it, you know, that guy looks good. I don't know who it is yet, but he looks good. And then he ran his first 40 time, and I was like, oh, well, that was really good. You know, it was like upper four sixes or something like that, low four sevens. And then you see Jordan Leslie, defensive coordinator, come running from across the field, screaming to one of the, you know, student interns that, that's keeping track of times and screams out his name. I need to know his, I need to know his numbers. I need to know his numbers. Shuttle 40 calling out he needs to know him like it is vital that he knows these numbers right this very minute and i mean it doesn't take a rocket science if a coach is that like intense about these numbers and uh, one specific player at that very moment it's like well better watch that guy and of course he ends up getting the offer uh dante lovett safety from or cornerback i guess from uh dematha catholic uh looked pretty good as a as a cornerback and then just casually switched over to wide receiver and made two back-to-back one-handed catches that had jared parker screaming mm-hmm. um really excited uh had his mother ready to kick him in the rear end telling him to stop showing off against well, these kids because, well it's mom's fault 
<laughs> no, oh yeah, she didn't. She didn't get the picture of the first one. So yeah. someone, a camper, got in her way, or someone makes an excellent one-handed catch in the back of the end zone, but her camera view is obscured by somebody coming in. She's not happy, so he goes out and gets another one-handed touchdown catch, and is feeling himself. He, he's he's Willie Mays Hayes coming back on the sideline, saying, "Hey, how you doing?" To everybody, I loved it. It was it was it was theater for me. I thought that was really fun to watch. Yeah, he, you know, he introduced himself to us, shook, shook our hands, hi, Dante, love it, Dante, love it, and I was like, you earned this, fine. Yeah, I know, it, you know, in this situation, it's like we're not supposed to be talking to recruits, but you can't just be like, spit on their hand when they come over. But and he just walks right up, and I'm like, hey man, how's good job, can't talk, good job, like, and you're right, he earned it. You know, when you make back to back, what is that like a four? Because he, he just ran a go route both times. Yeah. He kind of just did a little skip, like a Tavon skip, and then just. Sped right past his man. He didn't get a lot of separation, but he didn't need it because he was still making one-hand catches right in the back of the end zone, right in front of the offensive coordinator um, after, you know, putting on a performance at cornerback all day. So uh, he definitely caught me on. He was the other guy I thought uh, would get an offer. Maybe it still comes down the road. He is young, so it is what it is um, with the timeline on that one. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, Darian Lewis, uh, also out of DeMatha Catholic. Uh, uh, he is um, he's massive. Like I, I saw him and immediately thought 6'2", 230. I can't remember. I don't know what he actually measured in at uh, as far as height, but he said he weighed in at 230 at the camp and then ran a 4'7 in the 40-yard dash. Um, the issue was that, you know, it didn't look that great in drills, like, you know, as far as agility and moving side to side, uh, quick pivot type stuff. Uh, apparently great great straight line speed. Just, I, I didn't see much else and had a couple drop passes when he was running routes. And I, I, I'll, I guess I'll hand it off to you here. Cause you had the other bit of information that makes it all the more fascinating. Yeah. Well, he, I was told he was like six, one, two and he said two thirty. Um, but he, he's big. He's got like a friend of the math in my head right now, but like almost seven foot wingspan. Um, but he ran that like four, seven, five. He's a running back. And that's not going to work, right? And there's no place for a fullback. And he's probably not big enough to be like H-back tight end. And you're just wondering, like, what are they going to do with this kid? Like, he's hitting 33 in the verticals. You're watching, and you're thinking, man, this guy's got something. What is it? And at the end of the day, he's talking to Jeff Coons. That's your inside linebacker's coach. They're not asking him to be a kicker or a punter, right? They they see something there. They gave him a lot of time and attention. Like, he wasn't happy running the 475. And they're like, guy, you're 230, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're 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 kind of stiff. We get it, but like you ran a four seven five, and they felt pretty good about that. And then you know working him out with running back stuff, and you know he looked you're right a little bit out of place there. But then they had him with the linebackers, and he was talking to Jeff Coons at the end of the day, and you could tell, um, you know that when the camp breaks, it's kind of fun to see where players go because they know who coaches the position, but also who recruits their area. Um, and those two don't line up. Like he's from Maryland, Coons doesn't recruit Maryland. Um, but Coons coaches inside linebackers and they had a conversation that to me was something to keep an eye on there too. Does he want to play running back? Probably. Uh, does he want to play FBS football? Certainly. What's the sliding scale there? Um, that may be something he thinks about too, but man, that was, he was, he was something they, they saw something there and they definitely kept their eye on him during the day. Yeah. Just to put that in perspective, uh, Linnell Carr, who was just moved from linebacker to defensive end and maybe, you know, maybe these numbers are out of date, but Six one two fifty, and and if this guy's six one two thirty in high school, you know you're talking about the same kind of size at the same time. And this kid's playing running back, running a four seven, and I don't think Linnell Carr was running a four seven in in high school. Um, so it's it's an 
a pretty darn good combination of size and speed. It's just a matter of where that fits on the football field at the highest level of college football. Uh, one more player, let me put you on the spot. This is another nice sideline story, but a uh, quarterback from um, Olympia High in Orlando, Florida. That's a Class 8A school. So it's as big as it gets in high school football in Florida. Uh, C.J. Brooks um, mm-hmm. doesn't have much of a profile. Um, does have, I don't know if it was his dad or his grandpa. I don't know because I wasn't privy to this, but his dad or his grandpa was going down the sideline and finding reporters, not me, I don't know why. <laughs> it was very obvious. Uh, get your probably. get your polo, man. Get your polo. <laughs> it was too hot for the pullover. Um, but was going out and handing out like, and you can describe this like a, a I don't know, like a four by four info card that had like a QR code and his stats and his Twitter handle and and this and that. And, and I was like, well, that's the way to do it. But I mean, I didn't know that. But I was watching him going, this guy's good. Like you could tell he was smooth. He was calm. He had control. And the, the best quarterbacks find their ways with the best receivers and vice versa during the one-on-one stuff. And he kept working with the best quarterbacks or the best receivers. So that made me think like there's some sort of um, gravitational thing with him where he worked his way to the top. He looked like a quarterback. He acted like it. And he was working with the best people. Um, and then I found out he was a guy who's, you know, his family members are pushing him on the sideline, which means he probably doesn't have a lot of attention. And he doesn't. But he looked the part. And then, you know, at the end of the day, he gets a lengthy one-on-one with Sean Reagan, who is the quarterback's coach. And he spent some time with Chad Scott, who recruits Orlando. Um, I'm not saying he ends up here at West Virginia. This is the first time we've heard his name. He's a 2022 kid. But what happens now for someone like him? He went to Florida State, did apparently pretty well from what I read, comes up here, again, has another good day. Um, it's it's not the end. It's certainly just the beginning, but it's it's largely not up to him either. It's one to go back to the story about his dad. I think it was his dad. He yeah. He, he, when we did this podcast last week, I said, you know, the thing that always gets me is the, are the family members that you know not attack me, but get me on the sideline and say, hey, my look at this kid, look at this guy, this is my guy right here, and you know, it, it's somebody that's. Okay, maybe not even that, but and it didn't happen in the first camp. And I was like, ah, finally, I guess people just don't want to touch people right now. And we show up, go to one on ones. I get tapped on the shoulder. I got a kid for you to watch. I was like, ah, I jinxed myself. And that, but to be fair, one sounds pretty darn good. You're right. Like after he said it, I I was I think he he tapped me as I was walking to go see some of the safeties and tight ends. So I, I didn't immediately start watching quarterbacks right then, but I came back and you were like, Hey, that 90s pretty good. And then we kept watching him and you were right. And he was right. He was pretty good. Um, but that card was, the card was awesome. Like it, it, you're right. It was a four by four. I've never gotten that. I've gotten a little like a, like a business card type thing before. Um, most of the time it's just, Hey, look at my kid. But this was a, four by four uh, picture of his son. And on the top was his name, his high school, his height and weight, his stats from last year, and two QR codes in the corners. And if you scan those QR codes with your phone, it sends you to his huddle. And uh, I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, I think it was, it was his junior highlights and then his spring game highlights. That's, I mean... That's doing it right. Like, it. I mean, it, like the key to getting these people's attentions and not me. I mean, I, I don't recruit people. So you, it's it's good to get my attention, I guess, if you want your your child to get more publicity. But 
for the college coaches, make it easy on them. And if you literally hand them a QR, like, hey, scan this with your phone. Here's my kid's highlights. Bang. And here's his cell phone number. Bang. Like, you just made it a lot easier on these coaches, and that's going to help spread the word. So that was good work by him. Um, but as far as Brooks goes, I'm he's in a little bit of a weird situation because he is from Florida. So, well, it, I don't I, – one, I don't think he's going to be like a – he's not West Virginia-level quarterback. He is uh, like 5'11", 160, 170. Um, he, he had a nice, accurate ball. He moved pretty well. But I think at that size, you're just not going to get a lot of looks at the power five level. Let me pause you. Yeah. Five foot one as a freshman, still growing. Well, that's not bad. I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty rapid growth from high school. That's he might be we... done. He might be done. He might be he might be six foot and a half inch, but maybe he's six two. So so yeah. I wouldn't I get your point 100 percent, but I'm not sure I put him on ice yet just because <laughs> he has a track record of growing, Chris. Yes. <laughs> well, and here's the tough spot for him because, the, again, we had a list of all the other schools that were there. You know, a, a lot of schools that were, you know, not Power 5 schools that would and should be interested in a player just like Brooks, like an undersized but good quarterback that can move, that can throw, that's accurate, that has played at a high level in, in Florida and has succeeded. And I don't recall... Many coaches talking to him. Maybe you. Know, it, I don't know if you noticed it after you know he spoke with Sean Reagan, but like UMass, um, IUP, uh, the Citadel, all those schools were there. And I wonder. I'm just. I'm wondering this aloud for the first time right here on the podcast. You know, are those schools like? Yeah, that kid's probably on our level, but you know we're in Massachusetts or we're in Pennsylvania, and. That kid's in Florida, and he's probably going to go to a similarly sized school in Florida or Georgia or somewhere around there and just not really recruiting him because he's from so far away. I, I don't know. I'm thinking that out loud because I just don't recall some of these smaller schools talking to him when I think he is on that level. Alderson brought us, hung around and hung mm-hmm. around and hung around and got him and talked to him. I saw that. That's good. Um, so if he loved his stay in West Virginia, AB's not – too far down the road it's not around the corner but like hey if you like it here give us a shot but you know who hates this conversation chris oh god division three lagrange oh no which has offered him a scholarship and according to brooks's twitter is the only school that has right now and they're going there hey mike shut up uh-huh. it's not far away we were at the camp we saw him we talked to him we offered him where his first he's tweeting about us like shut up don't let this out of the bag but i'm i'm intrigued to see what happens with him there too uh Mike, two persona, persona non grata in yeah. lagrange georgia this i'm not welcome in lagrange and it has nothing to do with this conversation i'm sure um <laughs> two things to go uh i cannot do a up-to-date version of my three things i think three things i know on sunday which is behind the paywall so I'm going to let some people over here really quickly because on the board, we're asking, having other people ask the question so I can get it done ahead of time. Two, I want to ask you. One, really quick. Over, under, three, four stars in the class. Hmm. No push. Yeah, man, you know I like to push. Um, I was at that because that's where I was going. I was thinking off the top of my head, who's, who's going to be a four star, who's legitimate target, He put me on the spot, and I can't push. Because I think they have a legitimate shot. 
I, mean, I could I think I could of three, see, right? I was going to say, I, I, I could see, I could really see Ramon Brown running back. I think at, at worst, WVU's in the top two for Jacoby Spells. Um, Nico, quarterback, four star kid. Jaden Mangum, at worst, West Virginia's top two, at the very worst. Uh, Peter Peter Kikwata, who is another wide receiver from the same school as Dagon. Now you got me thinking it's got to be over. Cause, and then Zane Durant, who I'm going to post a little tidbit on the board uh, right after we get done recording this on him, um, in, in a strange way, connected to this pass camp. But he was, no, he was not there. Um, but he's there. He's a four-star kid. Dagon. Mm-hmm. Am I really going to go over? Wow. I know. I, I see. I would push. Like, I really would. I would think three is the answer. Like, I'd feel pretty good about three of these guys. But if you make me pick two or make me pick four, I'm picking four. Like, yeah. Like, okay. I, I'm ready to pick four. If you make me pick two or pick four, I'm picking four. Okay. I like it. Um, And then you can answer this one however briefly as you want or with however much depth as you want. And I think people would understand the direction you take. The question is, Mike, there is and was a pretty healthy debate about the PPI group, their split visit to WBU, and the lack of guys working out. What is your take on A, how does the WBU staff view this? B, does PPI owe WBU anything more than what they got, as some feel they should just be appreciative that they were on the stop list? And C, what's the future of this relationship now that PPI seems to be exploding as it relates to interest from other schools? So, that's a long question, and if you're not familiar with the background, uh, PPI Recruits is Brandon Collier's tour of international prospects. It's been very good to West Virginia through the years. Uh, Eddie V, Jairo Favoris. Um, who else am I forgetting? There's three, Victor, right? Oh, Victor. yeah, uh, Wickstrom. Um, so, yeah, marquee players at their positions in the past couple of recruiting classes. What have they done in the field yet? Well, nothing, but we'll see. But that's the point. They got in early. Came yesterday, excuse me, came on uh, Monday, had a fraction group because they had some other people in Tennessee, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but West Virginia had also seen them in person at that satellite camp in Macon last week, the same day as their first camp on Tuesday. Um, and then some of the people who were there, it wasn't their best group. Well, no, because it wasn't their full group. So obviously not their best group. But some of the players didn't work out, just came and showed up in shorts and walked around. Um and I don't know. I, I could see where I could see the validity to any of these questions, which were one: How does the staff view this? The perception would be that, or the implication would be that they're not very happy about it. Um, another question: Do they owe West Virginia anything? Does West Virginia owe PPI anything? I don't know. And then, what's the future of the relationship? Loaded question. I understand we don't know all the particulars. It's probably not as bad as we think, but maybe it's not as tame as we think either. What do you think? It's tough. I have seen. Um... You know, this isn't the first. This is not the first time that you know a trainer or uh, like a group has come with a large group of guys, and it's been part of a tour where they camp and visit several schools in just a handful of days. And for anybody that that has played a sport, or anybody that's coached a sport, or trained for a sport, you know, especially when you are exerting yourself as hard as you can and and testing, because testing, you know, you're you're maxing out basically. Mm-hmm. That is dangerous if you do that several days in a row. So I understand the angle of, and and this is not the first time that, you know, again, a bus tour has come through and a coach or trainer or whatever was like, hey, these kids are not working out today or these kids aren't testing. That's usually the angle. 
of the, hey, these kids aren't testing. They'll come do some one-on-ones or you can put them through bag drills, but they're not testing today. They're not trying to max out. Here's what they ran at the camp yesterday. Um, but if you want your kids to get as many offers as possible and as much exposure as possible, you can't have, I don't want to call them borderline recruits, but guys that, you know, okay, so uh, Hero Canoe, the big defensive tackle who's top 100 player, offers from everybody in the country. Yeah, he probably doesn't have to work out at West Virginia. That's fine. But you're talking about, you know, they had a kid, kids that were there that were like 2023 20, kids that maybe didn't have a ton of offers. Um, like the uh, Swedish tight end, uh, Thilo, Theo Melon, Melon. Yeah. Uh, I, sorry if I butchered that last name, but you know, for instance, he was there and he didn't work out. And a day yeah. after an Alabama offer, right? But <laughs> you can't have you can't have guys that the coaches have never seen and are. I don't want to say unknowns, but most of them are unknowns and just expect them to just hand out offers in West from and, and And then you're coming from West Virginia side of things. I don't know. Saying you owe me is a, is a strong, a strong stance to take. That's, that's maybe too strong, but West Virginia was in there early with them and they, they took guys like, I mean, they took Eddie V sight unseen on just the word of Brandon Collier. Like some highlight film, some grainy highlight film and the word of Brandon Collier. And I don't want to say that was a favor because it's sounding a whole lot like West Virginia is going to do all right in that situation. But, you know, West Virginia hosted them the very first time they came around and started going to camps. Uh, They promoted all their visits. Uh, We promoted all their visits. And then you kind of treat them, not treat them like a second class, but like, hey, hey, we, we can't we can't work out or test for you guys. We had we have to work out and test for Ohio State tomorrow because that's where there are today, uh, June 8th, when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. And they were at Florida State the day before. It's like, hey, we had to test for Florida State and Ohio State. We we can't be bothered to test for you. And that's a hard pill to swallow. That That's. That would not sit well with me if I were, you know, a, a coach at West Virginia. Like if you just get after taking, having three guys on the team, having them in for camps, making, you know, kind of, I don't know if they shuffled kids around on their trips to kind of make this a PPI centric camp. Uh, you know, I haven't heard like kids be like, yeah, I was going to come that day, but they told me to come another day. But based on the rest of the talent that was there, it was like essentially a PPI showcase at West Virginia or the opportunity to be one. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of turned out where there were only like a handful of kids that, that worked out and really only like one or two that were legitimate, like FBS caliber prospects. So, uh, I'm not trying to toe the line here and, you know, not give you an answer. If I were West Virginia, I'd be upset. And, if I'm PPI, I, I I know why they're trying not to test everywhere, but you st- the guys still could have worked out, worked with the coaches, and and you know it might have resulted in more than just one offer. Yeah, you don't have to run a forty. You don't have to do a vertical. Right. Like there are guys who 
who scratch at all the time. Like Devin Cargman didn't do either one of those. I don't think Correct. anybody got mad at him, but he did all the one-on-one stuff too. The, the, the Mellon, Mellon Oostrom, by the way, um, is the tight end. He's, he's going to be a five-star probably. Um, and his offers are through the roof right now. Kansas State, Arizona State, Minnesota, Georgia Tech, Cincinnati, Marshall, Alabama. He hasn't worked out for all those schools, right? So there may be an expectation there. And, he, and he's probably not wrong. Like, like you're going to see his film or hear about his camp performances and be like, yeah, he's probably worth it and you got to do it. But is that the expectation that you allow to be set on your watch when you think you've got a good relationship? Um, it's a highly philosophical conversation there. And, and again, it's part and parcel of this whole circuit here. I think it's pretty interesting and it's something to watch. Is the relationship fractured? Don't know. Bridges burnt? Highly unlikely, but I wonder what happens next summer. You know, do you have to have like a list? Like, listen, who's coming? We need to know um, because maybe we want to be at another camp that day so we can actually see some things. I don't know. Like, there's a bunch of different things you can actually you can you can flip around in your head as far as an outcome and how this goes. But um, that was that was certainly a curveball on Monday. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of felt it was coming when I saw the schedule. When you have a camp every single day. And they're spread, you know, Florida to Tennessee to West Virginia to Ohio State. Like, these places aren't close. This isn't like driving from, you know, having a camp at West Virginia, then a camp at Pitt, then a camp at Ohio State even. Like, this is a lot of driving. And these are a lot of huge dudes stuffed into, you know, it's, they're not sprinter vans, but, you know, there's, there's white vans, the extended mm-hmm. white uh, Econoline vans. And there's a huge dudes, like six, seven of them, you know, jammed into these things and driving for 10 hours at a time and then hopping out and going through testing. It's not an easy process, but you know, they're making do with what they can. They're trying to get them as much exposure as possible, trying to get them seen by as many coaches as possible, get as many guys hooked up with scholarships as possible. So they're doing what they can, but sometimes it's too much. And, and maybe, you know, they'll next time PPI will have to, there's going to be, there's going to be, a kind of fork on the road where either one of two things is going to happen. Some college coaches are just going to have to accept the fact that they're just going to show up and not work out or PPI is going to have to trim back on how many stops they make, which then might upset even more coaches. So it, it's, it's a situation. It's a thing that'll have to be figured out, especially if this European market keeps growing like that. It's a house of cards, Chris. <laughs> yes, it is. And they hold all the aces here, too. I mean, pardon the pun, but, I mean, they they kind of have the power. You know, they can set the schedule, and mm-hmm. they can control who's allowed to, uh, who attends. You know, that's all up to them. And they, I mean, take them off. See what happens. you got to be really careful right now, too. Uh, before we take anybody off, go any longer, let's finish it up here. Um, plenty happening on the site. Probably going to get news about commitments at some time in the future. No idea when. Um, camp on Thursday. Camp on Sunday. Lots in between. Um May have some basketball news. May have a lot of basketball news. Yeah. Um, we'll see about Wait, that. I'll have to check with you after this podcast to see what your basketball news is because I got something that might be coming up too. Right. It might be the same. We'll Ooh. see. All right. Well, let Chris and I go. And by the time you listen to this, we'll have it all sussed out. Uh, until then, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.